0: listening to the full 10 yards podcast with your host Timothy Lambert Monk
1: Welcome everyone to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. This is the NFC East Exit Interviews Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Lovely Monday. Hope your weekend was fab. Like I say, this week we'll be turning our attention to the NFC East Divisions. If you didn't, go and check out the AFC ones. covered every division, every team uh, and a fan for every one of them too. Go and check those out. They were our podcasts last week. This week is we starting off like we did uh, last week on the Monday with the East. So we're going to be talking Dallas, Philadelphia, New York Giants and the Washington Redskins. Don't forget today we also dropped our first uh, team dedicated article where we looked at the Baltimore Ravens. We looked at where what went wrong or what went right last season, uh, where they are currently now and what they will look to do. Going ahead, it's titled uh, Where Do They Go? And I hope you enjoy those. Please let us know your thoughts at Full 10 Yards. But on today's show we have... Quite a few number of guests, actually, uh, some more familiar than others. With Dallas, we'll be talking to Patrick, that's No See Walker, who is a big podcaster over there in the States uh, with the... Uh, the Star Witness podcast very much recommend all the Dallas fans go and check that out. Patrick Walker is uh, at Voice of the Star as well on Twitter. Uh, we have Daniel Picton at D ninety five. The Giants regular listener Jack Humphrey is at Jack Humphrey eighty seven. And Washington is uh, Scott Mackay at Scott F Mackay as well. So hope you enjoy the, all the podcasts. Just a caveat before we do get into the Cowboys, this was recorded prior to the Jason Witten being (laughs) re-signed and the uh, Randy Gregory uh, indefinite suspension as well, so uh, unfortunately that happens in between the recording, which was a week or so ago now, and obviously that bit of news, but I hope you still enjoy it, and here we go, Cowboys. First up on the NFC East podcast is, of course, my beloved Dallas Cowboys, who took the NFC East title, um, obviously having a bit of a run there in the playoffs as well. But to, to break it all down with us, we have Patrick Walker from across the pond there, uh, who is the, it can be found on Twitter at Voice of the Star, who has recently released uh, a new po- a podcast called The Star Witness. Um, so we're we'll getting to talk about all that. But uh, yeah, very excited for this one, being a keen Dallas fan. Patrick, we welcome you into the podcast.
0: And thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Definitely a lot to talk about when it comes to America's team and yeah. UK's team, for that yeah. matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Dallas Cowboys are very much, uh, you either love them or you hate them, don't you? But um, yeah, do you just maybe want to give the, the listeners, uh, the UK listeners out here, uh, maybe just a taste of what your podcast brings? Because obviously it's Dallas Cowboys uh, focus. Right? So maybe just have a, a couple of seconds on, on what that's all about and what, what how it came about
0: absolutely Uh, the name of the new podcast is, is Star Witness the podcast uh, and it's backed by both 24/7 Sports and CBS Sports. Uh, the debut episode launched on February 4th, the day after Super Bowl 53. Uh, and going forward, it'll be produced bi-weekly up to training camp, when it'll ramp up to a weekly basis, and it'll remain weekly going forward, barring the you know each offseason after that. Uh, but it's it's primarily host-driven. I'm of course your host Patrick Walker, uh, with no C. Uh, But you can check it out on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and and pretty much anywhere you typically stream podcasts, you can find it there. Primarily, again, it'll be driven by myself. But from time to time, we'll have exclu- exclusive interviews with players, coaches, assistant coaches, so forth and so on, media personalities, just to keep things spicy. But make sure you tune in, Star Witness, the podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll certainly be uh, be sure to be one of those fans as well. And uh, again, you're you're quite active on 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 Twitter, and you're quite engaging in terms of conversation as well. So, any Cowboys listeners out there? That aren't aware of, of Patrick, um, certainly give him a listen as at Voice of the Star. But Patrick, let's get in to uh, the Dallas Cowboys season. And again, it's, it's a, a team that uh, you, you either love them or, or hate them. But coming into the season, <clears throat> obviously, it was all about, um, kind of the identity of the offense you know, no no more Des Des Bryant, no more Jason Witten. And the, the word was that we were going to come out with a, a kind of a, a team that would, you know, had no wide receiver one and a dak friendly team. Um, we, we brought in Alan Hearns, uh, Deontay Thompson, and uh, Michael Gallup in the draft. What, what was your, your thoughts going into the season on and how the the coaching staff approached, um, you know, the needs of the team?
0: Well, to be blunt about it, um, Tim, it was it was. A terrible idea. It was a terrible approach. And this is not me speaking in hindsight. If you go back and look at some of the columns that I wrote back in from January through the course of uh, OTAs and mini camp and then training camp in the preseason, uh, the wide receiver by committee approach that was so roundly sold to the Cowboys by now ousted offensive coordinator Scott Linehan, I did not buy into that. Uh, and then of course you started to see uh, those outside of the organization kind of speak against it. For example, you take former uh, quarterback, Tony Romo. He made it clear that there was going to have to be someone who uh, stood out over the course of the season and become that definitive number one. So he kind of let you know as well that it was, you know, the wide receiver by committee approach was not, positive. I think the Cowboys bungled the handling of the Des Bright situation and not necessarily just because they opted to release him, um, because that would more or less be fine if they had a plan thereafter. But they did not have a definitive plan. Their plan was to pay Sammy Watkins upwards of $17 million a year. That was horrible. And they were saved by the Kansas City Chiefs, (laughs) guaranteeing Watkins more money. Um, So in a roundabout way, they ended up down the line after suffering through the wide receiver by committee approach that failed soundly. Uh, And they ended up with Amari Cooper, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but the offense as a whole, whether it be, Moving on from De uh, from Dez Bryant last season, uh, trying to go with a wide receiver by committee approach, being willing to pay someone like Sammy Watkins up for seventeen million dollars, the offensive coaching staff and their approach going into the twenty eighteen season was abysmal. It was one of the worst I've seen in recent Cowboys memory. But the good news is they are off to a fantastic start for this year.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, part of the the off season storyline in Dallas was, you know, media's media guys and analysts were all saying, obviously, that the Dallas should be spending their, their first round pick in 2018 on a wide receiver. You know, people like DJ Moore, um, you know, and, and all the rest of them. But obviously, we didn't. Wait, we waited till the later rounds to to pick up Michael Gallup. But just a, a point on our first round pick, Leighton Van Der Esch. Did you did you like that pick at the time?
0: I did like the pick. My, my stance had to. The... At that point, was I felt that it was a mild reach, and I must stress the word mild. I believe that they probably could have traded back out of nineteen to later in the first round, maybe around twenty-five, got some more draft capital to kind of work with later on in the draft, and still had been in a position to uh, pull the trigger on Leighton Vanderess. I liked the pick, I loved the fit when it happened. I just thought it was a little bit too rich to go at nineteen, but I had no problem when they pulled that trigger. They found their guy, they wanted their guy. They Didn't want to risk him uh, being gone by the time they were back on the clock at 24, 25, or 26 had they decided to trade down and kind of roll the dice there. So they didn't play it how I would have. However, I'm totally fine with what they decided to go with. Uh, My assessment of Vander Esch at that time, as I wrote in my draft breakdown article, was that he was an immediate day one starter. And he had the potential to be a breakout player if he could improve on disengaging blockers hmm. he did that he broke records in his first year i love that he proved me right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely 102 solo tackles there for van der esch obviously was uh whispered amongst uh you know the nfl industry of potentially being defensive rookie of the year not to be maybe this year but obviously certainly uh, a star in the making there that he, so uh, ahead of week one uh though patrick obviously we were we were Shocked by the news of Travis Federick uh, going down, obviously missing the season with, with that uh, that terrible illness that he has. Obviously, great news recently that he's he's coming along fine. But did you, of the first couple of games going into the season before the bye, it kind of alternated, didn't it, between home home wins and and away losses? Uh, was any any particular reason for that apart from maybe the the wide receiver by committee not not working?
0: I think a large part of it was you go back to Scott Linehan and his inability to replicate success. Um, And for the Cowboys, what you'd find, particularly over the course of the beginning of the season, when they were, you know, they win one, lose one, or I should say they lose one, win one, lose one, win one, um, was they could not find a way to... Continue what was working once they discovered what was working. The loss to the Carolina Panthers on opening day was something that should not have happened. The defense did their job as they did for the large part of the season, but uh, it was a a flare. Uh, that was fired into the air to let us know hey this offense is is not better than it was in 2017 when they struggled Albeit in the absence of Ezekiel Elliott at that time um, now with Ezekiel Elliott back in the fold Here are the Cowboys week one still struggling to put points up. we too. Yes, they defeated the New, the New York Giants But again struggling to put points up and so the season went with the Cowboys defense carrying the load for the large part of the season And you'd get a blip here and there from the offense. But uh, over the course of the season, you didn't see the replication of success. For example, and we'll talk about Amari Cooper here shortly, but you saw the move for Amari Cooper, came in, did some damage for the Cowboys, and then statistically disappeared. You'd see Ezekiel Elliott, he'd go off for 100 plus yards on the ground, 200 yards from scrimmage, and then he'd have an average game, and not because of uh, anything he did in that game, but the game plan would change to not replicate that success. So that's the reason the Cowboys remained inconsistent uh, over the course of the beginning of the season. And although they finished on a 7-1 run, it wasn't specifically because of the offense. So I think that now that Linehan is out, there are a ton of questions still on Kellen Moore. But I think they have a better chance now um, of continuing to find what works and then actually duplicating it on a week-to-week basis.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so let's just focus on Amari Cooper for a moment. Obviously, during the bye week, you know, going to the bye week, three and four after the loss there against the Washington Redskins, um, do, do we have to give someone, someone in the, in the back office, their credit for for understanding and or realizing that what was what was happening was not working? And you know, previously Dallas had been have been lambasted for you know not really adjusting or not making adjustments, uh, but. But for actually bringing Amara Cooper in now, you know, when he was traded, the first round uh, pick of a price tag was uh, was hotly debated, uh, and obviously now the, the hindsight tells us that it wasn't wasn't that bad giving up a number was it number twenty seven pick in the in the, this year's draft. But what um, do, do you feel that that's that's how it goes, how it went in the terms of the coaching staff realizing that he wasn't working and then actually doing something about it?
0: Absolutely, I, I think that was a, a shot at Linehan as well. Uh, you, you look at the fact that. This goes back to January when Linehan uh, opted to move on or convince the Cowboys to move on from longtime successful offensive line coach Frank Pollock and bring in mediocre uh, Cincinnati Bengals offensive line coach Paul Alexander. So that was the Linehan move. Uh, And then, of course, the move on from Dez Bryant and trying to sell the team on wide receiver by committee approach. That, again, was Linehan move. So those two things the Cowboys came to terms with. Uh, understanding that they had made a mistake, grave mistakes, and a ton of credit to them for realizing that they made the mistake and being willing to correct them before the season was over. Because at three and four, which is what their record was prior to making the trade for Mark Cooper, at three and four, they could have just mailed it in, Tim. They could have just absolutely said, Well, you know what? We're just going to ride this out, maybe get a higher draft pick um in 2019 and then we'll make our firings and our movements there on the coaching staff but instead they fired paul alexander which was shot one at Scotland and then they uh, traded away the first round pick in 2019 for Mario cooper that was shot two at Scotland and that's how we knew that the timer was on Han at that point but uh give a ton of credit to this cowboys uh, front office so for all of the vilification that jerry jones gets And Stephen Jones receives for moves that don't pan out. I have to applaud them for recognizing that, hey, these situations are not working, but we're going to swallow our pride here and do whatever we need to do to fix the team. And they did for all intents and purposes. The only thing they did not do was fire Scott Linehan during week eight, which reportedly they considered. But had they made that move, maybe the Cowboys are actually in Super Bowl 53 right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? And the, 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 the howls from the crowd, if you like, got louder during the, the week nine game in a strange loss to Tennessee. You know, the two, the two losses there uh, post-bye week were, were strange losses. The loss to Indianapolis as well was uh, was another strange one. Um, but, yeah, you know, certainly the, the last nine games, you saw an elevation in, you know, Dak had a bit of help because it opened up the, the run game for, for Zeke and uh, Murray Cooper giving them that wide receiver one that they needed to to keep the, the offence balanced in terms of, you know, play calling. Um but yeah, like you say as well, the de- defence was also a main reason why we were able to, to make the post-season this year with uh, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith going you know, side to side. You know, ha- like I said, 102 solo tackles there for Van Der Esch, 82 there for, for Jalen Smith. What is it about this defence? Because you know, the signs were there last year, weren't they? Uh, I know Sean Lee, uh, his, his injury history has not, has not really helped. Um, I know he's pondering a return to to Dallas in 2019. What was it this year that, that helped us survive without uh, Sean Lee? Because last year we just capit- capitulated.
0: Well, it, it was a few things. And primarily we're talking about uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, obviously, he was—he comes in and in only ten starts, he's the youngest player in franchise history to ever record 100 tackles, and he's a uh, the youngest to ever record that number in a single season. So you're looking at a, a instant Pro Bowler. He's coming off of his first Pro Bowl, and he achieved that in his first year out. So Leighton Van Der Esch is pretty much the uh, the stitches to the wound uh, that Sean Lee. With, presented in 2018, mm-hmm. and that was something that the Cowboys did not have in in 2017. But you also look at the stellar play of Jalen Smith, and it's it's mind boggling to be able to appreciate that uh, Leighton Vander is has been so dynamic. He's been so dynamic that you look at Jalen Smith's numbers and you realize that if we're if Leighton Van Der Esch was not in the picture picture, we're talking about Jalen Smith as a potential all pro. So he's actually being overshadowed by the greatness of Van Der Esch. And that's not to say Jalen Smith isn't great because he's great as well. So you combine those two. Uh, together, and that's why the Cowboys linebacking corps has taken that next step, and their future looks fantastic. Um, now, from a defensive line front, uh, even though the Cowboys were without David Irving and probably will continue to be without David Irving, I predict that he's played his last game in Dallas, um, but you look at Demarcus Lawrence, even though he had the torn labrum, he played through it. He remained available for the entire season. He was able to deliver uh, another 10-plus sack season. You look at the reinstatement on Randy Gregory, uh, putting him on that right edge, opposite to Marcus Lawrence, he started to come on strong after he regained his NFL wheels. Randy Gregory looks great for the future, looked very strong on the back end of the season. So now you have two elite pass rushers coming into the interior of that defensive line. Look at the story behind Antoine Woods. The guy was uh, on the Tennessee Titans practice squad just a season prior comes in as a training camp body, ascends to the starting role of nose tackle, and becomes arguably one of the best nose tackles in the game in short order. Mm. Malik Collins, Tyrone Crawford, these are all players uh, who have stepped up and you combine that with the linebacker core that's taken the next level. Then you talk about the secondary, Byron Jones, he just landed his first uh uh, pro Bowl and all pro nod. You talk about the progression on Chadobia yet You talk about the progression on Xavier Woods. This defense, uh, with everything that I've mentioned under Rod Marinelli, and then you inject Chris Richard to it. Mm. All of that and more are the reasons why this Cowboys defense should be excited going forward if if they're smart enough to go ahead and get DeMarcus Lawrence locked up for the long term.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that's gonna be the key to to the offseason is it to get to get him back in the to get him back in the fold, and we say so that that second result. Well, we're not even talking about how how good a season Jeff Heath had. I thought he he played excellently as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's move on to then to, the, to the, this off season. Then Patrick, um, obviously no Linhan anymore. Uh, like you say, Kellen Moore and John John Kettner are also in uh, in the coaching. Where where do we see our, our biggest weaknesses uh, to, to to plug uh, in the off season, either through the draft or free agency?
0: Well, it's funny that you mentioned Jeff Heath, and the thing about Jeff Heath is is that as much as I love Jeff Heath and justifiably so, he makes plays. He's one of the better playmakers on the team. Mm-hmm. He needs to improve on his consistency on a week-to-week basis on a play-to-play basis that's not something that if you look over at Xavier Woods Xavier Woods doesn't have issues with consistency Um, but Jeff Heath does and I think that's why you're still going to have safety as one of the top needs going into free agency and the NFL draft if you don't resolve it in free agency the Cowboys for all intents and purposes they're going to take another swing at Earl Thomas they were willing to offer up a second round pick to the Seattle Seahawks a few months ago before um, they got stiff-armed by the Seahawks and then obviously Thomas broke his leg and was done for the season, but now they, they can approach Earl Thomas as early as March 11th, unencumbered, no middleman. So I think they're going to take that shot. Um, But I would like to see them take a shot at Landon Collins. I think the younger Landon Collins uh, has a a better upside uh, as far as the longer term deal that you might want to give him uh, versus Earl Thomas. Um, But you got to address safety, whether it be free agency or the draft uh, and then tight end. Now, Thanks to Blake Jarwin, you're not you're not as nearly or I should say not nearly as concerned as you were before you saw what he did against the (laughs) the New York Giants in week 17. Um, But you, you don't exactly know that you're set at that position. And I don't think the Cowboys are. I think. They, they went in with four bodies in 2018. Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin, who uh, was on his second year. They drafted Dalton Schultz in the fourth round, and then you got Rico Gathers. I think it's time to ditch Rico Gathers. Uh, I think that experiment is, is over mm-hmm. for the most part. He made some strides in 2018, but not enough to keep him on board based on what they need. Uh, Blake Jarwin, I think he needs to ascend to the starting role. Jeff Swain, um, I think you bring him back. He just finished his contract year, and he was on IR, unfortunately, but he has great chemistry with Dak Prescott. I think you bring blake jarwin back uh, as depth for i'm sorry i think you bring jeff swain back as depth for blake jarwin give dalton schultz another year to progress and then maybe you uh draft a tight end in the you know third or fourth round depending on how you feel about who's at the top of the board because it's a very deep tight end class coming into this nfl draft but those are my going to be my top two positions safety and tight end depending on um which one you lean towards, I, I, either one and, I should say, both need to be taken care of this off season.
1: Yep, yep, certainly agree with that. And uh, just before we get you out of here, Patrick, obviously um, we, we can't not talk about Dallas Cowboys without talking about Dak Prescott. Obviously he's uh, entering his final year of his contract. A lot of him's and ours about you know ex- whether he's going to get extended or not. A big big season for him.
0: Absolutely. Um, th- here's Here's the... Here's the wisdom on the Dak Prescott situation. He's going to get extended that much we know. The question is when and for how much. Now, I play. Here's how I would play it if I'm the Cowboys. You just jettisoned your longtime offensive coordinator. That was one of the key reasons that Dak Prescott was not progressing as he should have. you don't know what Dak Prescott is without Scott Linehan in the fold. I would like to see Dak Prescott in 2019 without Scott Linehan's restraints and restrictions. That's going to give me a great evaluation on what kind of money I should be paying him. Now, he's going to be a free agent after 2019, but that's what the franchise tag is for. You can easily franchise tag Dak Prescott next offseason, and then that buys you all the way until July 15th of 2020 to... um, Give him an extension. But this us bring in some competition at that point. So unless Dak Prescott under this plan that I'm laying out, unless Dak Prescott blows you away in 2019. Look at the draft class that's coming up. You got Tua from Alabama. Uh, you got the kid out in Oregon. You got McKinley from uh, University of Central Florida. You got Sam Ellinger uh, out here in Texas, homegrown kid that you can bring in in the first round to challenge Dak Prescott to see which one of these guys can actually be your long-term guy. I don't think that's how the Cowboys are going to play it. I think they're looking to get the deal done sooner than later. And if they're looking to get it done sooner, that would be this offseason. I think maybe he comes in at around five years, $130 million. Uh, that averages out about $26 million a year with about $55 million in guarantees. Those numbers uh, are going to make some people fall off of the chair. But if you go to... 24 uh, seven sports.com backslash NFL backslash Dallas hyphen Cowboys or download the CBS sports app. You'll see my detailed column on the Dak Prescott situation and you'll see how the market and all of these other variables I've laid out get you to those numbers. And then once you see that, you'll understand why the Cowboys will probably have no issue granting him that type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would hold off one year. They probably won't. I think it gets done here soon. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I certainly agree as well. And whilst they're looking at all that, Patrick, they can uh, download your podcast as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Start Witness, the podcast. uh, Debut episode dropped on February 4th. It is now available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Pretty much everywhere you stream your favorite podcast, make sure that you uh, give it a listen. Subscribe so that you get the early bird notifications each time an episode drops. Next episode will drop on February 19th and bi-weekly thereafter until training camp when it picks up for a weekly basis. It is backed by 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports.
1: There you have it. The, the perfect, perfect end there To Love that that 20 minutes of Cowboys chat. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on, my friend.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
1: Next up on the NFC East is the Philadelphia Eagles, unfortunately a massive pain in my backside last season being the Defendant Super Bowl champions, but uh, gladly not to be again for next season. Nine and seven finish, second in the NFC East. And to talk a bit, break it all down for us is uh, Daniel Picton, a uh, close friend of mine as well. Daniel, welcome into the podcast.
2: Thank you. Hello.
1: How's it? Uh, how's things your end? Uh, good mate, good yourself. Yeah, no, all good. This all this side. I say. Yeah, luckily, luckily for me, I didn't have to experience another season of the Philadelphia Eagles being the defending Super Bowl champions. So that's always uh, <laughs> that, that's always fun. But uh, let's also, let's break it down. Um, you know, coming into the season, obviously, like I say, defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, what yeah, we we'll cast our minds back a bit further. Now, what, what was it like to experience uh, the first uh, Super Bowl win there for Philadelphia? Um,
2: as you can imagine, probably. Ecstatic I was, um, despite crashing out midway through the, the the third quarter. But for a bit of a bit of a power nap, but uh, <laughs> I was I was up I was up for the end. I'll put the I'll put the nap down to the halftime beer pong uh, final, which I participated in at the party I was at, which turned into sh- uh, shots as opposed to beer, which was was the downfall I think. But. Yeah, it was a whole. It was a whole whirlwind of emotions that day. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. I can, I can imagine how messy that's going to get, especially, <laughs> especially this side, this side of the border, I, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Foles obviously getting the job done there for Philadelphia. Did you? Did you have faith in, in Foles in the playoffs? Um, going in
2: um, the last, the last two or three games he took over. Uh, I think it was the last three. Um, he played okay, a um, bit of a sluggish start, especially in the first first playoff game. Um, but by the time it got to the the Vikings game, he took over and absolutely dominated and carried that straight into the into the Super Bowl. So I was I was very confident after the after the Vikings game and and again he went in and pretty much dominated and got it done in the final.
1: He did indeed. Obviously, the uh, the Philly special that will be talked about for many years. But obviously, yes. coming coming into this season, it's, it's notorious about the the Super Bowl struggle, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Unless your name's the New England Patriots. Um, what, what were your thoughts coming into the season on kind of expectations? I know coming off the back of a Super Bowl win, it's easy to say that you know you want to win another Super Bowl. But you know the off season was dominated by the Carson Wentz injury uh, when he yeah. when he would return and whether or not you know Nick Foles is the right person to. To keep the ship going, and we'll talk about Nick Foles a bit later on, going into the twenty nineteen stuff. But what was your your kind of expectations as a as a Super Bowl defending champion, considering you know the troubles that defending champs have had, and even teams that have just been in the Super Bowl? Um, you know, I, I assume it would have been you know, another playoff berth at, at the very least.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's like, uh, like you said, um, it's easy just to say you want to go in and win win another Super Bowl, but you do have to look at it realistically. Um, I did fully expect another strong, strong season, uh, like you said, at least, at least playoffs. Um, but there was a few factors that you knew were going to play a detrimental effect. Uh, first one, like you said, was Wentz going to be the one going forward. How would he, how would his, how would he cope with his recovery? How would he cope coming back in off the back of that? If he wasn't going to be fit, was Falls going to be able to? Keep performing the way he did uh, in the final and last couple of games of the playoffs. Was he going to be able to carry that for the full season? Um, how would the players cope with the with the pressure of what was going to be a a, a lot more anticipation and expectation of them? Because um, the Super Bowl winning season did it kind of came out of nowhere. We were just off the back of consecutive. Losing season, so to then go on and finish thirteen and three was was unexpected. I mean, the philosophy after each game was we're back to zero and zero. Let's let's get to one and zero, and that's how the games just kept on coming. We it was eight or nine. Won the first game, lost the second against the Chiefs, and then it was eight or nine consecutive wins after that, and. For the first few, it was kind of it was great, this is good, we're winning games. But there was that kind of feeling of, we're probably going, are we going to lose this one? Is it going to end now? And it kept them going for a substantial amount of time, which was great. And then the you know the Wentz injury came and it looked like it was going to be all over. Yeah. But Foles seemed to, like I said, it was a sluggish start, but he kind of came into his own and dominated throughout the end of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, opening weekend against Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons wasn't the—I think it was opening night, wasn't it? It wasn't—it wasn't a uh, one for the ages, was it? But managed to, to scrape the win there. A surprising yeah. loss, a surprising loss at Tampa Bay, which would be a common a common theme for the for the Eagles this year. Obviously, losses um, away, you know, at Tampa, yeah. at Tennessee, at New Orleans. Um, yeah, Dallas as well, obviously in overtime. But yeah, when's mm-hmm. coming back in week three? Um, I, I, I suppose you can probably attribute most of the losses to kind of the, the, again injuries uh, to, the, to the team. No, you know, most certainly a cornerback as well. Yeah, um, of, course, of course. Yeah, but that that, that the, loss, the losses in between weeks four and eleven, you had five losses in total. There nearly nearly killed the whole season. But yeah, I, I suppose it's a testament to to the rest of the squads that. You know, they they pulled together and were still able, despite being, you know, four and six, to be able to still make the playoffs, which is which is not a not a common occurrence. Uh
2: no, of course not. Um definitely like you mentioned, the cornerbacks was was a massive problem, probably one of the biggest problems throughout the full season. I don't think there was any point out of the season where all the cornerbacks were uh, were fit at any one time, which obviously obviously caused problems especially given how much I think the defence played their part in the previous season and how resilient they were at digging in and Obviously, keeping keeping the teams down.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, this, the, the stats the stats would, would indicate that as well. Thirtieth against the pass in terms of yardage, and seventh against the run. So, just shows yeah. you just shows you the, how decimated they were. I mean, they were they were signing guys literally off the street, and you know, yeah. to, you know, to, to be fair to the coaching staff there and the players themselves, they, they started to turn it around towards the end of the season. Yeah, um, yeah. And,
2: uh, you mentioned uh, the players that picked up. Um, Crevon LeBlanc. Um, mm. I'm really excited to see next season because I think I think he was a really good pick up in terms of in terms of the the position we're in. We we just needed someone. We were like you said, taking people left, right, and centre. People were coming off the practice squad. Um, it was. I think the Lions picked picked them up and then. He was waved again, which is where we got LeBron from. But I think I thought he was I thought he was excellent, uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him again next season.
1: Yeah, I mean, like so, you know Week eleven, you lost to the humiliating loss to the Saints, wasn't it? Four and six. Yeah. But then the next, yeah. you know, The next uh, six games you go go five and one, and that including that, that includes you know the, the loss of Carson once again to a back injury. Um, yeah. The only loss coming to Dallas uh, in, in overtime, but even from from week twelve, essentially Philadelphia were playing playoff football again. Um, yeah, wins against um, Giants and Redskins to start it off.
2: As much as I'd like to brush over the dismantling against the Saints, um, I think it was needed and it came at a good time because, like you said, we were we were having a, we were, had a losing record at that at that point, and from that game onwards, it seems it seemed to be a turning point that we needed. Um we went five and five out of six wins for the last remainder of the games after the Saints game. So it seems like that was what the the squad needed again to kinda of get the, the spark back that they had from the previous the previous season. Um, the way they were able just to dig in and slug it out and do what needed doing to get the wins the way they were um the season before. Um other than the Saints game, if you look at the the previous losses from the start of the season, they were all pretty. They were pretty close. It was most of them were pretty much under a score. Could have been won with a field goal. So it seemed like at the start of the season, that's what they were lacking: just that bit of spark, that bit more resilience they had the season to, before to to go out and get that extra scores, field goal, whatever, just to take them over.
1: Over that point and get the win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously, Foles, Foles Foles coming in week 15 at, at the Rams. Obviously, with season on the line, uh, and then mm-hmm. to produce that performance, and then obviously to beat the Texans as well, who were uh, mm-hmm. uh, playoff playoff teams. Obviously, Washington uh, kind of fell by the wayside a little bit due to due to injury. But you know, yeah. you, you you come to the end of week 17, obviously, you're, you know, demolishing the Washington Redskins, and, and then going into the playoffs. Were you, were you thinking again that you know similar to echoes of, of last year where you could make you could make a run to the playoffs? I, I know. Uh, so be, beating the Bears was was fairly fortunate, considering uh, Cody Parkey, uh, yeah. maybe being really good at hitting uprights. Um, and the, but the, yeah, if you come looking at the Saint, Saints game, go fourteen 0 up in the in the first quarter there, and uh, we slightly surprised that they they couldn't get that done. Or was it was it say just kind of going back to not having as much resilience maybe as last year? What, what did you put the New Orleans Saints lost down to? I
2: don't know. I was I, I think it was just obviously like you said they were. They fired out straight away. Um, LeBlanc picked up the got the pick on the first the first Mm. play of the game. Mm. Um, We marched straight down the field. Squad held them for their second drive. Marched straight down the field and and scored. So obviously at that point, like you've said, echoes the last season. Nick Foles is in playoff football. It's it's. I was very excited, very looking forward to it, especially thinking about the fact that the Rams was going to be the next game and would. Would beat them a few weeks, a few weeks prior, um, at at the fourteen and on the first quarter. I was pretty much planning, making my plans for the for the Super Bowl, <laughs> but um, and then it was just, it was just a massive disappointment. It was just, it just seemed to collapse from there for whatever for whatever reason, mm. um, and we couldn't, we couldn't. It literally again, um, it was it was 20, 20 to to fourteen it ended, so like I was saying with other games it literally could have been settled with just another score and then obviously um the point after would have would have settled it. Um but for whatever for whatever reason it just the quick start became very, very slow and pretty much stopped mm. after that. So it was massively, massively disappointing. But
1: yeah, as I, imagine, but, I, I suppose as, a, as an NFL fan, especially from a Philadelphia perspective, it just shows you that the highs and lows of a season, isn't it? Four and six, pretty much feeling like you're out of it, and then you get all the way yeah. back to the highs of being in the playoffs and winning the, uh, you know, away at Chicago, who were tipped to, to go far by, by many. But one one uh, bit I just, just to just to come to you about just the, the run game. Obviously, Philadelphia lost they lost Edge uh, um, for, for the most part of the season and you know, then decided to go by a committee approach. And they, they seem to, over the last couple of years, employ a, a, a committee approach. You know, you've got Smallwood there, um, Corey Clement, Darren Sprouls, and Josh Adams, and obviously when J.J. was there as well. Do you think that maybe not having a, a focus on on a running game or a plan of attack in terms of running game, because you, if you're 14-0 up in a... In a playoff game, you then just want to kind of rely and just churn the yards out and churn the, the run game out and just run it down their throats to to get rid of the clock. Does maybe the lack of, of a run game kind of a reason why the New Orleans were able to put put something back on the board?
2: Yeah, they definitely could do. Uh, like you said, you if you're not establishing as much of a strong run game, you lose straight away. You're losing, not totally losing the ability, but you're making it harder for yourself to slow the tempo and take control to slow things down when you are in that position where you're, you're two scores ahead and you don't really need to be forcing anything, doing anything drastic at that point. Um, GHI was was a big loss um, but I feel like with Clement and Smallwood there's still a lot of talent there. Mm. Obviously Sproles, terrific running back, plenty of experience um, and I was even pretty impressed with, with Josh Adams. He had a few a few big plays and looks pretty impressive but I think I think going forward we do need to to establish more of a run game. Uh, pick more more of just an established here's our here's our running back and um, we'll have backups there because when you're constantly rotating it's it's good because obviously it keeps guys fresh but from like a drive to drive perspective someone could establish a good couple of runs and then they're off, rotated in again, and that rhythm they've got themselves into, they are now out of, and because they're off and someone else is rotated in, and it's essentially it's almost like they're having to restart their game every time they're put in because they have to re that mm. that rhythm they were getting into, yeah. and then when they finally start to reach that, again mm. they're off, or the running game is is not used as much as it as it could be to focus more on the pass. Mm.
1: Absolutely, and of course, Jay, Jay Jay a free agent this season. I so don't see him returning uh, in a Philadelphia Eagles shirt. But let's talk about the off season. Obviously, the mm-hmm. big the big talking point for the Eagles is is Nick Foles, who's slated to to be a Jaguars. Uh, Jackson for Jaguars call core back next season. Do you, do you think that that's a, a wise move? Depending on what, obviously, what they get for him. Obviously, we don't know yet because the the window doesn't open for another week or so. But considering Carson Wentz's obviously injury history, you surprised? I know I know Nick Foles has gone out of his way to to void his contract, and Philadelphia won't be franchise tagging him. Do do you, do you think that you'll be okay with Carson Wentz, considering the injuries that he's had? Obviously, bad. You know, these been quite serious injuries for for QB with a back and, a, and an ACL.
2: Yeah, um, I think a lot of people definitely see the injury issues as a cause for concern, as you would. Um, and the dis- the decision that was going to be made between Wentz and Foles wasn't one I was looking forward to. I remember watching the press conference at the at the end of the at the end of the season with uh, Roseman and Pedersen, and they they made it pretty clear then that Wentz was still going to be number one going forward. He was going to be the star. Um, if there was room on the final roster obviously ideally they would like to to have kept foes but again he was a Super Bowl MVP um, you're definitely saying he's a, a starting calibre quarterback sat at backup so he's got every right to to want more playing time expect more playing time to want to look elsewhere to have that, that starting spot that, that he can definitely fill and in some teams but at the end of the day I think it was it's probably the right decision overall Um, we gave gave up a lot to get Wentz obviously for one he's he's he's, he's the younger quarterback so if anything you know you're most likely going to get more time out of him but with Wentz you've got you've got a you've got an MVP calibre quarterback we've seen that from the the 2017 Super Bowl season we've seen plenty of glimpse glimpses of it I would have said last season as well. Um, obviously the ACL injury was was a big one. He had you always aimed to be back for the start of the season. Uh, it took a couple of weeks a couple of weeks after that uh, to come back into it. And then obviously you had the back injury. Um, I, I don't think it was ever really stated how serious the back injury was and mm. I don't know enough about what a stress fact, fracture is to say to be able to see how how bad it is, um, and I think the decision to take him out was was just good decision making.
3: Yeah,
2: I think the position where we were in, um, the outlook on it obviously was we still want him to be our starting quarterback. Um, we don't know how serious this stress factor could be, what it could lead to. It's and the, with the position we're in, it's not worth keeping him out there, risking worsening that. To then have a detrimental effect on him coming back for the start of next season. and There's obviously plenty of confidence in Nick to make the change at the time to keep him out there. So personally, I don't. Obviously, the ACL one's a big one. I don't think the I think the back injury was just good decision making just to preserve him. And obviously, we knew we had Nick Foles. Yeah. So I, th- I think I think I, I can understand why people would be worried. And there's a, there's a bit of doubt there. For myself, but mostly I'm fully confident, and I feel like it's definitely the right decision.
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah, to, to kind of put it in a, put it in a nutshell, I think that they were. <sighs> I think they knew that they'd probably yeah you know, well, to be fair, it was quite a big call to put Nick Foles in, in the situation he did, you know, week fifteen, seven and seven record against against that the Rams. But yeah I, yeah, I think it was more for the long term preservation of Wentz so that when twenty nineteen season comes rolling around that you know, they can they can hit the ground running you won't have to have another storyline of what you know, what week what week is Carson Wentz coming back. So I think it's just yeah. more about, you know, it, I'm not going to say that they thought that this last season was a was a dead one, but it was more about the, the future, and obviously that's why they've kept Wentz and Foles is, is saying his goodbyes. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, cool. That's um, yeah, that's pretty much us wrapped up then for a Philadelphia Eagles standpoint. Dan, thank you so much for joining us.
2: No, worries. thank you for having me on.
1: Next up on the NFC East review with all the teams is the Washington Redskins finishing with a seven and nine record. There's a lot more to dig deep uh, to dig into with the Washington Redskins, and joining us is an old friend of the show, Scott McKay, who you wrote for, wrote for us for a little while, but had to take a bit of time away. Scott, we welcome you back into the Full Ten Years podcast. I hope you've been well, my friend.
4: I have been. Thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, it's, like you say, it's been a while, um, but uh, yeah, really, really glad to be on, and uh, yeah, happy to talk everything to skins.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's crack on straight into it. Uh, kind of a weird season, but com- coming into the season, obviously the, the talk was all about uh, Kirk Cousins leaving the building and uh, being replaced by Alex Smith. Uh, many people had debates on and an opinions whether that was an upgrade or a downgrade. Um, but obviously, it's that's, that's here nor there now, considering what's happened to those two teams uh, the, kind of this season. But. Um, you know the, the Alex Smith's injury aside, even coming into, into the season, you had a bit of bad news with with Darius Skyes, uh, the running back in twenty eighteen draft, uh, going down for the season, uh, which kind of put them on the back foot.
4: Yeah, straight away, straight away. Um, you know, obviously you you pick in the second round, you pick Darius Skyes, who really he was, you know, picked. He should have been a first rounder, um, in in my opinion, um, and showed so much promise um, and. It's what the Redskins have needed for a while was an established run game. We haven't really had it for for a few seasons. And uh, it was a nice opportunity to have with Geis. And we didn't think it, he would slip to us, but he did. Um, and we happily took him. But uh, yeah, like you say, the injury came along. Mm. And that knocked us back, I think. And uh, it didn't put off to a good start at all.
1: No, and I mean again with the Washington Redskins, seem to be hit by the injury bug uh, over the last couple of seasons, and uh, again last season in twenty eighteen, led to the the signing of Adrian Peterson, who performed admirably considering uh, his age and what have you. You know he's eighth in the league in in terms of rush yards, thousand and forty two in total, seven touchdowns. Uh, but the 20 receptions as well, which is not usually his game, uh, especially this late on in his career. But yeah, a, a lot of injuries for the, you know, signing a quarterback with Alex Smith, um, who we'll get on to maybe in, when we talk about next year's plans. But Paul Richardson, the, the other big eight free agent signing uh, in the off season, yep. he went down. You know, Jordan Reed's never been, a, 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 had a clean bill of health for the whole season. Uh, and then, you know, every now and then, you know Maurice Harris, you know, got, got some snaps there, wide receiver for the portion of the season. So it just shows, Maybe how many injuries that they they had is that is that down to maybe a training regime or is it you know FedEx Field gets lambasted quite a lot about the the state of the pitch. Um, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's not as if it's it's a, it's, a, it's bad luck because it's happening every year.
4: It is, yeah, and like you know, it you, you could look at the curse of the FedEx Field and kind of say, yeah, it, it's it's the pitch. But you know, at the end of the day, other teams do come and train here too uh, to you know play here. Um, so you would have. To kind of look at, I would start looking at the training regime. Really, Um, you can't have like three, four seasons of you know bad luck. Um, It's got to turn somewhere. So there's got to be something behind the scenes going on that possibly the bodies of the the players aren't reacting well to, or you know it's just the you know the sheer kind of you know the actual you know the actual regime. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if it's five days a week training, you know should it be toned down? Should the intensity change? Um, I, I'd have to look at. I can't. I can't see it being a FedEx Field fig.
1: <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I Obviously, obviously there's, a, there's a couple of teams around the league that it seems to happen to. And I know FedEx Field gets, um, I say, it gets criticised quite a lot for how it how it kind of plays and how choppy it is and how much it gets um, it gets cut up. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting to get an opinion there. But you know, the Washington Redskins they were in pole position uh, for a playoff berth uh, come week eleven. Uh, and then the uh, the shocking similarities there with the uh, uh, Alex Smith injury um, from a quarterback's past, obviously um, in week 11. Yeah, they lost six of the last seven from that, um, and they they still, yeah. you know, to be fair, had playoff kind of hopes going into the last couple of weeks of the season. Uh, Colt McCoy coming in, and then Josh Johnson uh, as well. But was it was it a case, you know, if if Alex Smith was there hypothetically for the whole season, do you reckon it'd be the Washington Redskins that would have been in the playoffs this season from the East?
4: Yeah, I, I personally I think so. Um, I think um especially with Alex Smith with how he's playing. He was he was very solid. His stats weren't incredible, but they, you know, they were, you know, a nice happy medium I think. And especially because, you know, injuries have played their part and the o, the O-line um, was really struggling as well. We had, you know, Brandon Sheriff which was um he was struggling quite a bit um with an injury and subsequently out for the season. Um he, you know, we were doing okay even though you know, all of these things were happening. So I think that if we had that continuity and we just had that one, that one staple, if we had Smith, I think we could have ground out a couple of those victories because at, at the end of a couple of games, we just let it go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was no fight. Um, and I think, I think we lacked that leadership really. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Like I say, the, the defense there played tough, um, but you know, the, the, the because they were on the field for the length of times that they were, obviously the you just ground them into submission a little bit. Yeah, but just an interesting point on the O-line there, you said about Sheriff. Um, they had the most uh, sem- uh, offensive linemen on IR this season of a total of seven. So again, that kind of plays into the, not just the skill positions that were injured, uh, but obviously the, the trenches as well. Um, in, yeah. yeah. And so throughout, throughout the whole team again, you know, it disrupts chemistry, disrupts rhythm, uh, and you never. It's always it's hard enough to win a game in the NFL, but when you've got injuries stacked up against you like that, that like the Redskins have done last couple of seasons, it's always going to be a, a tough, a tough, uh, tough make of it, isn't it? So, um, I mean, yeah, the, t- the team going into the season wanted it to be a bit more of a ground and pound, um, and, and you know, rely on the defense a little bit more. Uh, again, with bring Alex Smith in, kind of led to that a little bit. Um, going into the off season, then do we do we they're picking at fifteen? Obviously, not which isn't a great spot to be in. To if they, if they want to get a quarterback, and the, the big storyline going into twenty nineteen will be kind of what what happens at the QB position because Alex Smith, uh, you know, wasn't, it's not a cheap deal that he's on, and um, so they're kind of tied into him a little bit. Is it is it more of a case of maybe trying to see what they've got in the draft, or are we looking at again a Colt McCoy or a Josh Johnson kind of scenario there at quarterback in twenty nineteen?
4: Yeah, it's, it's a really difficult one because, like you say, there's money tied up in Alex Smith um, and that's going on for the next couple of years as well. So um, we do have to take in consideration. So we won't have a lot of money to spend. Um, it, it is a really tough one because there oh, are glaring and um, there's things missing in this Redskins team that we need. There are gaps to fill. Um, Personally, um, the way I would go about it is to just try and get an NFL-established quarterback in there. Um, maybe possibly take um, a rookie in kind of the middle rounds. Um, you know, there's there's people you know like Will Greer that potentially um, is going to drop into the middle rounds that could be a you know a nice kind of development thing. And especially if we keep Alex Smith around as well, even though he's injured, you know, to be in in and around the setup as well, there might, might be a nice little mentoring thing there. Mm um it 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 of course is you know it's the razzle dazzle um star signing to go with a quarterback in the first round um whether it's the thing that we need right now it it's it's very questionable
1: mm. Yeah, I mean, you're picking at say picking at 15, um, and again, they, they, yeah, we mentioned that the wide receivers didn't really, um, whether or not it's it's their fault themselves or perhaps the instability at quarterback. But you know, there wasn't a lot of production there at the wide receiver position, despite the uh, the acquisition there of Paul Richardson. Jordan Reed had the most receptions in the team last year, 558, and he only started eight games. So it just kind of shows you there that you need someone, you need a leader almost to. To come in and, and kind of elevate the, the the playing level of of all the guys in that locker room. I don't know if Paul Richardson was kind of seen as that guy because they say we pumped a lot of money into him. So maybe they'll look for him to step up uh, next season. Maybe try and stay healthy uh, as well. Are there any other any other uh, again offensive line and defensive line are are deep in this this draft. Are you looking for maybe a bit depth on there as well, or is it more the skill positions that you think the the Redskins should address?
4: It's yeah. Um... Yeah, again, it's very tricky for them. They're in a really tough situation. Um, you know, they got to a point where you know we we signed Ha Clinton Dix. Um, you know, we we traded for him towards him, the end of the trade deadline there. Um, so we got him in, but we only got him in on the one-year deal. So apparent or now Clinton Dix is out the door um, and they're signs again. Um, and so, so I think we're gonna we've got a real depth issue. I think in 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 you know the defensive uh, backs really. You know. Um, Josh Norman, does he still want to be around? He he's he talks a good game, but he, he's not at the moment showing us it. And our safeties at the moment are heavily depleted. Um, so yeah, I mean, and with Preston Smith, he's now um, he's potentially going to be out the door as well. So we're going to have to look for another linebacker. Um, so yeah, it, it just seems to be a lot of questions at the moment, like who are we going to put in here, and you know, how's it going to work, but. Yeah, it's it's a troubling time actually. I think for
1: the team. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's fair. So do we think? Are we thinking? You know, looking ahead to 2019 season through, you know, the range of scenarios that are probably available to the Redskins. I'm even at this point, I'm probably sad to say that the Redskins probably aren't looking. Um, too much towards the playoffs next season, judging on what's there, what they've got to to play with. Um, So we may be thinking, again, Jay Gruden's been there for a number of years now, um, so it'd be a bit annoying for him that he he can't seem to really get anything going on that team. But is it maybe more realistic that Washington Redskins could be like a top five, top ten pick next season in in
4: 2020? Um, I I certainly think so. I think um, we've got Bruce Allen coming out saying we were close. Um, and we're still close, which I, I can't see that at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I genuinely think that, you know, we're going we're, we're to have a losing record next year. Um, and it, it's funny because the last couple of years we've been in and around the middle and we haven't had a chance to kind of break out and get those kind of top picks, you know, because just been languishing around the middle. So all we're getting is that middle kind of first round talent um, in to, you know, really give us an injection. And we've had to um, rely on free agents. Really, to make that splash, mm. um, yeah, I would say that um, you know, I, I can't see us win more than six games next year. Yeah,
3: mm. yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny actually. Quite a lot of the teams that we've done on these season reviews. Uh, Miami's another one that springs to mind immediately. When you when you are consistently in that middle, you know, I sent to the guy that uh, you know from the, the Miami Dolphins team review that you almost need that bad season to be able to. To make that that push, you know, step back to then step forward two steps. Um, say Washington Redskins could be falling into into that kind of trap as well. Because if, if you're consistently, you know, in the mid range picks, fifteen to twenty, or you know, even yeah, ten to twenty, sometimes, you know, you, you do need that that bad season. If, if you keep relying on free agencies, you know, it's, it's going to be more expensive as well. You don't really get to to make that push, and even if you do. You know, you're not going to be going deep into the playoffs because you you're gonna get caught out by the teams that are primed for those Super Bowl runs so yeah I mean Washington miskins could be another one in that in that mix there that they need a bad season to pick up a decent a decent guy early in a draft or at least be in a position to trade up early into the into the maybe the top yes. 10 or the top eight. Um, so yeah, I think maybe uh, unfortunately, which is sad at this point. You know, we're recording this in the middle of February. To think that you know th- this time next year, you know, not really much is, is going to be changed. And he- looking ahead to the season, which is already seven months away, um, that you're yeah, you know, and not having a winning season, and you know, not potentially doing very well, it's not something to, to p- really look forward to, is it?
4: <laughs> not at all. No, it, it's uh, it's yeah. I mean, as a Redskins fan, you know, we're, we're stuck in a purgatory at the moment, um, and. W- <laughs> You know, from an outsider looking in, we, we we don't seem to have a bit of direction. Uh, we've had Jay Gruden for the, I think this is going to be his sixth year this year, um, and we've had uh, one playoff run, I believe. Um, and you know, that was a wild card game, and we didn't progress any further. So it's uh, yeah, I I you know I think that this will be a season that we're gonna we're gonna struggle, um, and it will be a slog. But you know, I think after this season, we need to look at you know look at everything, look at the setup. you know, look at the long-term vision for the club and kind of look, you know, are we going to build a new stadium? Are we going to try and progress all of this? Because at the moment and for a while, it's been middle of the road, happy to chug along. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, with, with all the, the points we said going into 2019 uh, season with all, with all the injuries and Alex Smith maybe not being there, do you reckon would would you prefer I'm trying to think of a way to put this obviously Jay Gruden I I'd, I'd very much doubt he'll be on the hot seat just due, due to the, what, what's kind of going on at the club at the moment and he'll probably get a pass for this year do you think that's that's right and then kind of he, he's the guy to take you forward in 2020 uh, perhaps with, with a decent draft pick or is it maybe a, a fresh approach needed like say with the re- regime currently in place lots of injuries do you just kind of need to, te- to tear it all down or is it maybe not that bad yet?
4: It's um, a very tricky question. That's a very good question. Um, I personally, I really like Jay Gruden. He, you know, he talks, he talks straight when he's talking to um, all the press and the fans like that. Um, I think it's got to have to be uh, the front office. I think that needs a bit of a, an injection of a bit of pizzazz there. I think we, you know, personally what Jay's done with the coaching staff and he's obviously he's worked with people like Sean McVay, Sean McVay's obviously got onto the Super Bowl. He obviously knows how to pick good people. Um, So I don't think that's the problem. I think, you know, I think what we need is let's, let's sort that front office out. Let's get that nice public image going. Let's get some more fans behind us and push the team on that way. Um, Because, you know, that that's the only way forward really. Um, that that I would see really, yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, before we before we get you off, uh, Scott, one one words uh, one word answer from you. Who, who who start week one at quarterback for the Washington Redskins?
4: Oh, god. Um, I'm going to say Fitzmagic.
1: Oh, interesting. Fitzmagic.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're going to have to <coughs> need a sprinkle of that. I think to kick us kick us <laughs>
1: forward. Yeah, the of Fitzmagic and maybe yeah. some magic water as well for all those injuries.
4: <laughs> hopefully so and yeah
1: the magic Spanish uh, right Scott That's uh, that pretty much covers us for Washington Redskins thank you so much for coming on and talking skins
4: no, no problem at all thanks very much for having me
1: okay last up on the NFC East got the New York Giants and who better to do that than our friends over at Kickers Matter podcast Jack Humphrey welcome on
5: thanks for having me mate mm-hmm.
1: Um, don't forget, you can get in touch with Jack at Jack Humphrey eighty seven or the podcast. They're very much uh, recommended here on the Full Ten Yards Kickers uh, underscore Matter is there is the Twitter handle there. But Jack, you're obviously a big uh, and very vocal New York Giants fan, so perfect that we that we've got you on to to go through the season in fifteen minutes. Because in in a way, it's quite a, quite a funny season. Because go, going into it. You know the New York Giants were one of a few teams that had probably quite a, 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 a wide range of outcomes that could have could have happened to them. Now I know they're, they're obviously at the bottom end of the, of kind of those wide range of of outcomes at uh, five and eleven there. But um, yeah, I mean going into the season just beforehand, you know, were, were you quite confident or were you a bit wary of uh, of, of what was what was going to happen?
5: Um, I was more confident going into this season rather than last, but. Um, the main issue is obviously still there. I think everyone knows what the main issue is with the New York Giants, and it's the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um, although Eli didn't have a particularly bad season, um, 4,299 passing yards and 21 touchdowns. But um, obviously that is our main concern. That's something we need to address going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously went out, spent big in free agency at left tackle for Nate Solder. Um and they also got Will Hernandez in the draft who I, I really do like actually. It was you know during training camp he was getting into all sorts of bother with uh, Damon Harrison. Yep. they were having tear ups between each other. Um, so yeah I was I was optimistic. I, 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 I thought we could do eight and eight nine and seven, but um, unfortunately it wasn't as good as that but <laughs> yeah I, I, we improved in the second half of the season. This year, mm. um, dramatically, straight off of our buy, we—I mean, before the bye week, we were one and seven, and then after the bye, they were four and four. Um, but they picked up a free agent, Jamon Brown. Uh, he's in a he's a right guard, and they picked him up from the LA Rams. He um, he changed something. I, 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 it solidified the O line. if You get what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we lost John Halipo, who's, who's our starting center. So we were chopping and changing guys left, right, and centre. I think we went for about three or four at centre. But it um, solidified the O line, and Eli had a bit more time to pass. Um, obviously, he still made a few very questionable decisions at times. But um, yeah, I, 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 I can't complain with the season. I didn't expect us, we, we're not a playoff team. Um, and we won't be a playoff team until we address the QB position. Mm.
1: Yeah, because obviously going into the draft last year, you know, the big, the big talking point in Big Blue was was obviously the, the Barkley pick there at number two. Now, whilst the the newly crowned Offensive Rookie of the Year, um, you know over two thousand yards from scrimmage in his rookie season, joining Edrian James and Eric Dixon as only you know, one of three people to to be able to do that, it, it's, it's going to divide opinion for years and years. And you know we, we're not going to get an answer as to whether that was the right pick or not. And I, I, I know at this at this moment it, it seems that you know. With considering the the quarterbacks in that draft, you know, you had Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. and well, Baker Mayfield obviously wasn't available to you, but yeah, what, what, what was your take on on the pick itself?
5: I am very vocal on Twitter about this. I I love the pick, of Saquon Barkley. Um, I would have taken two players over him in this draft, which would have been Baker Mayfield, and we had no chance of that because he obviously went number one to the Browns and. Probably Quentin Nelson yeah. who went to the Colts. Yeah. Um, other than that, judging by what we've seen this year, um, I, I think it was the right call. Um, I, I, you're a Cowboys fan, Tim, so I, I think the Giants need to move into it sounds silly, like into that Cowboys mold. If you get what I mean, and it's become a very run-heavy team now, um, especially if they're going to keep Eli around for another year. Yeah. Um, do you, you, you sort of get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, what absolutely. And
1: absolutely. You're, you're very, you're very welcome to Jason Garrett if you want him as well.
5: <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you can keep him. I love your little Jason Garrett yeah. song. Actually,
3: it's
5: yeah. brilliant. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, but so as I said, I would took two players above him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I I didn't dislike the thing. I'm very vocal about it. I I don't particularly like any of the other cute Sam Darnold I didn't like coming out. It was. He does very silly things. He reminds me of Jameis Winston. He'll just air the ball out. There's no, you know, um, thought about it sometimes. And then, But sometimes he can be brilliant. Um, I like Josh Allen, but I, I don't know he's going to be elite. Um, and I, I also like Josh Rosen. I, if you listen to the Kickers Matter podcast, I'll stick up for him a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to segue into this year's draft, like, if, if I was the Giants, I would potentially be offering the Cardinals that first-round pick for Josh Rosen.
1: Mm. Oh, that's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting call there. Yeah, Josh Rosen obviously didn't uh, put up any any flowers over in Arizona, no. but didn't really have the chance to do that. But let's uh, let's just uh, before we, we move on to maybe what what going into this season, let's just let's just talk about Barkley because. Yeah, he had thirteen games of over 100, 100 scrimmage yards. Uh as the first one of one of three players to rack up uh, forty plus nine forty plus yards in a season, um, equaling uh, Chris Johnson and uh, and Barry Sanders there as well. Um didn't fumble and you know, he over two thousand scrimmage yards, like I said, fifteen touchdowns in, in total. I mean I know. I know. It's it said that the running back position is quite replaceable, and you know, if you've got a good O line or you know, a good quarterback or a good O line, you can you can kind of put anyone back there. And whilst that's true, but looking at what Barkley is and what he's done for that season uh, last season behind the O line that you know, wasn't great. Um, obviously, going put, running to the outside quite a lot of times as well. You know, he's kind of he's kind of papered over the cracks of of the O line in in a way because of his talent, and that's obviously why they picked him at two because they wanted a big name. And they wanted a future Hall of Famer.
5: Yeah, see, I don't agree with the the thing about running backs. You can just put anyone in there. I, I you know, there's there's elite talent, talent of yeah. running back. Ezekiel Elliott is an elite, elite talent. talent. Uh, Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, all elite talents. Um, Le'Veon Bell. I, um, I mean, what he done was just it's fantastic, really. I, I I watched a lot of him in college. So we we um, at my podcast is a fancy football podcast. So. Obviously, I'm in a lot of dynasty League, so he was the number one pick for a lot of people uh, for their rookie drafts. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. I what I don't like about Barkley is he doesn't always take what's given to him, mm. so he won't if you take the free yards, yeah. and sometimes you get the negative yardage there. But my God, can he bur- like burst off a sixty or a seventy yarder mm. at times?
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so some, just just watch the highlights of the games versus the Eagles.
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I've got some um, uh, a lot of thoughts about the Eagles. To be honest, um, I, won't, I, won't, I won't get into that there. But um, yeah, they. Um, I mean, they, they, again, the, the Eagles are a very good team against the run, like the Cowboys, and yeah, yeah. he showed up in both games mm. this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so just to obviously you said much better second half of the season going four and four in the final eight games, um, which, however, did include a shutout by Tennessee. But yeah, like I say, a lot, a lot of promise might be too strong a word, I suppose, but there's a lot of things to take into next season. And if you can still plug some of those holes that are still there um, and, you know, the NFC East is always quite competitive, so it'd be quite interesting to see. Where where everything ends up next season. Just to want to have a, a quick chat on on uh, Odell Beckham. Obviously he's a, he's a character. He's a bit of a, an enigma, isn't he? He's expressed yeah. discontent at points during the season. How, how do you think it play, plays out with him? Does he, is he does he still play? Because he played good soldier coming in coming into the season, didn't he? About you know, contracts, this that and the other. Um, I suppose in, the, in maybe a crazy alternate universe, he he goes elsewhere. But do you expect him to to stick around? How how do you do you feel his relationship is with Eli Manning? Does he want him out? Or
5: I I, I think he wants a better QB definitely. Um, I I stick up for Odell a lot on Twitter as well. I you know I I I'm, it sounds stupid to compare. I don't like losing at anything. I do a nice stroke like <laughs> exactly what he does. Um, so um i stick up for him in, in that regards i yeah um, with eli yeah i think he wants a better qb to play with um will they keep him around i they've given him all that money so i don't see look, dave gettman's come out and said we wouldn't have given him all that money we mm-hmm. didn't want to keep him around um but if someone comes in with two first round picks then things um things can change very quickly mm.
1: Yeah, and say so the reason reason I said that is obviously the other periphery pe- pe- pieces in the peripheral there. Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard had, had a good season in spots, and Evan Ingram uh, was fairly solid as well. When OBJ went down, do you feel that there's pieces there on the offense that need to need adding to?
5: I I, I don't think the offense needs any apart, apart from the QB
3: position.
5: Mm. I don't think we need to add to that. Um, I. Think they need to move Evan Ingram to wide receiver. He's too small for a tight end for me. Um, I think we're much better when Rhett Ellison plays. He's he's a block. He's a blocking tight end. But, mm-hmm. um, I think we're much better when he plays. And I, I would personally do that and move Evan Ingram out to wide receiver. Then you could probably look at trading Odell Beckham if you can, if you can do the conversion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly don't think then it's the defense is. The side of the ball they need to improve.
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that was my next point. So, yeah, you know, going into the draft and, and free agency, yeah, there's only two games last year for, for the Giants. They conceded less than twenty points. So, obviously, that's still your issue there. Do you expect them to, to plug quite a lot of those those gaps in? Obviously, going into last season, Jason Pierre-Paul's gone. Uh, you know, with some other pieces as well, as well. Um, was it Harrison has, has, gone, yeah, over to Detroit, has yeah. gone? to Detroit. Yeah, um, the Lions. Obviously, Landon Collins still there, but you know, I, I suppose it's a defense-heavy draft and, and free agency for, you, for the Giants.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Landon Collins, I think they'll sh- uh, put the franchise tag on him. Yeah. Because um, he's gonna, he's obviously out of he's gonna command a lot of money as well. Um, I think Ogletree might be a cat casualty. He, he wasn't bad this year, but um he's on a lot of money. I, I I think they need to move on from Janoris Jenkins. I think they need to trade him. I I loved it when we um picked him up actually in free agency a few years ago and then um and a Rams fan come at me saying Oh um watch him on third downs and for the first year it was fine, we made the playoffs. Um it was the famous boat incident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. and then I, on third day, he just falls asleep. Yeah, no, I've noticed in the last two years, he just falls asleep and he gives up silly plays and he just gives up on the play. I, I, I think they need to trade Janoris Jenkins if they can. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean this is a this is a defense last year that ranked yeah twenty third in in points against and twenty fourth in, in yards. Is there is anyone? I don't know if you if you've looked ahead to, to the draft already, or in maybe free agency. Anyone you particularly want want the Giants to go for? Or any particular need? Is it you know the rush defense uh, was you know, gave up the twenty was twenty eighth worst in terms of touchdowns given up. Is it is it maybe a defensive line, or is there a certain yes. particular part of the defense you want them to improve first?
5: I, I think they need to improve the defensive line. I mean, I haven't I say I haven't really looked at the mm-hmm. college. Defensive tackles coming out or anything like that, but there is—I I know it's a very heavy defensive line yeah. class this year. So, I, I mean, if they don't trade for, like I said earlier, for Rosen, if they didn't, if there wasn't to make a move like that, I would use that first pick on a defensive lineman yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, I also think the secondary needs addressing. Obviously, we lost, we traded Eli Apple to the Saints. Yeah, um, I mean, he wasn't, you know, particularly good anyway. But I. I still, I really do think they need to Janoris Jenkins needs to get go he's on a lot of money as well so I, I, I would get I would clear it out um, we're not again we're not going to be a playoff team this year so it needs to be a clear out on that side of the ball rebuild get young and then 2020 is the year we draft the QB oh
1: Tony totally. there you go you heard it here first on the four ten yards podcast 2020 New York Giants <laughs> in the post season but <laughs> just wind it back a little bit for next season Jack um, so, so, bearing in mind, obviously you, you feel that the postseason's out of reach for the Giants already at this at this juncture. What is yep. considered success for next season? Then just finish above the Redskins.
5: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, the Cowboys and the Eagles, as much as I hate to say, it, are, are a much better teams than than us at the minute. Um, I mean, I would take a season like a seven and a nine, eight and eight, something like that. You know, sort of middle of the pack. Um, Although we might be better off being really bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> drafting the QB early for that 2020 class. So I, I you know, I, I as long as we show signs of improvement, like what we did after the bye week this year, I will be happy. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, I no, say so it's always a catch 22, isn't it? If, you know, you're saying that you want a seven and nine, eight and eight season, but if you're in a kind of mode yeah. where. You need some pieces, uh, unless you're doing trades for first-round picks. Um, you know, again, unless you're a three- or four-win team, you're not going to really get inside that top 10, are you? No, no,
5: we're not going to. Uh, As I say, uh, this year's draft, they just need to concentrate on the defensive side of the ball with every pick, I think.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, I totally agree. Okay, that's probably uh, going to wrap us up for the 15 minutes. Great, uh, nicely, nicely done there. So go if you if you if you have one word for the, for Giants fans then going into twenty nineteen to you know for expectations or what you you think will happen what would uh, what would you say one word?
5: Um, one word, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> Barkley. Barkley. <laughs> um, no,
1: because um, what about what about yeah promise and what about uh, Pat Shermer, obviously, first first season head coach last season, uh, is is there any danger of him being in the hot seat say if. Uh, obviously, I know your expectations are maybe a bit lower than the, all the, the guys out there in Big Blue. But is there any chance that he's in a bit of a hot seat if they if they get off to a poor start next season?
5: I think probably yes, but I don't think he should. I think they no. need to stick with Pat Shermer. I like, I really like
1: Pat Shermer as a head coach. Yeah, it's all about um, believing the process, eh? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah, and um, beat the, be the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, that's that's been a while as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah b- before we get into a, into a slugfest, we'll uh, we'll end that one there. Jack, thank you so much for for coming on and talking Big Blue. No worries.
5: Thanks for having me, Tim.
1: So they have it NFC East all broken down. Lovely, jubbly. Hope you enjoyed that one. I certainly did. Obviously, or any chance to talk about the Cowboys. That's going to do it for the NFC East podcast. If you liked it, get in touch with us. Let us know. Let us know if you enjoyed any of the guests and want them back on at Full 10 Yards there on the Twitter. But we'll be back tomorrow and we're going to be looking at some fantasy football. But not, we haven't done that for a little bit of a while, so we're going to be looking at some early risers and some early falls, fallers in terms of fantasy football. So I hope you can join us for that. But until next time, thank you for listening and the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye.